we're not really laying hands in this season, but Brother Sam, your hunger for a touch of God has drawn me to you. And just like the coals touch the prophet's mouth, the power and the word of God touches you today. And the fire you've been asking for, God baptizes you in it right now. Fire upon your life in Jesus' mighty name. Somebody give God praise in this house right now. Pastor, I know you're playing that organ, but when you resume service in Bayside, that fire's coming upon you and upon your ministry, upon your mouth. You're going to prophesy, you're going to sing, and you're going to feel fire like you've never felt in Jesus' mighty name. Somebody give God praise in this house. I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I feel the authority of the Holy Ghost in this place. If you have the Holy Ghost, stir up that heavenly language right now and pray in the Holy Ghost and let him have his way. This is week eight of revival. The number eight means a new beginning. This is the week that God does a new thing in this house. This is the week that God does a new thing in your life. This is the week of a new thing. I speak it. I decree it over you right now. Stir up the gift that's on the inside of you right now. That's why God called for this revival. That's why God sent me. That's why God brought Bishop here to call for this revival. We're stirring up the gift that's on the inside of us. Stirring up the authority. Stirring up the healing. Stirring up prophecy. Stirring up anointing. I feel like we just need to do it a few more moments and then I'll preach. like the Holy Spirit's about to visit the room. I just feel like we're maybe seconds away from a visitation of the Holy Spirit. And I, just, it, I, I don't know about you, but I, it just, that propels me to want to push in further and just seek it a little more. I don't know what he's going to do, but I just feel him near right now.
not indicative of anyone that pastor talked about earlier but i feel in my spirit there is an unknown person in this room you're a backslidden preacher you're not where you need to be with god and condemnation has filled your when i sing it i felt it condemnation has filled your soul and you have this viewpoint this you just think the father is so disgusted and so done with you that you don't think there's any chance God could ever do anything with your life again. But I love you. I love you. I love you, Lord. Today, this is what you need to hear. Because you cared for me, Hatabashaya, in such a special way. That's why I praise you. I lift you up. You're set free right now from condemnation by your name. That's why my heart is filled with praise. My heart, my mind, my heart, my mind. Lord, my soul belongs to you. For you paid the price for me. Heart is filled with praise, give a praise and thanksgiving in the house. 
It's what you've been praying for. It's what you've been looking for. It's what you've been asking for. The Lord spoke a word of prophecy in the first service. He said, no longer will you have to look to your past to talk about the greatest move of God. For I'm about to visit you in your now and in your future. I'm about to give you what you've been seeking, what you've been asking for, what you've been longing for. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I don't just visit one generation. I visit every generation. And I come in might. I come in demonstration. And I, the Lord, come You can be seated if you like, or I don't care, stand, lay, fall out, I don't care. I'm going to talk, I'm going to just flow with how I feel I need to flow, and I'm going to save my sermon for next week. I still need those pictures in a moment, not yet, but I'll save my sermon for next week. Because while we were singing that song, and musicians don't don't leave because I'm not going to preach long. When I when we were singing that song, and I felt, I, I, I called out a backslidden preacher. That's dealing with feelings of condemnation. The more I I said and spoke to it, I felt that condemnation. I feel like I need to speak to that spirit, that attitude. That's trying to convince you that you don't deserve a miracle today. That's trying to convince you that you don't deserve that raise at your job. Trying to convince you that God's not going to bless your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. Trying to convince you that you don't deserve authority to speak in the spirit and the favor and the mercy and the blessing of God. I feel like I have to address that today. I need to speak to that today. Because I am the recipient of the unmerited favor and blessing of God. I stand in front of you, a man that has seen God work mighty, mighty miracles. Not because I did anything to deserve it. Not because I was qualified for them. But because my heavenly father loves me enough. And he loves you enough that he said, you're right. You don't qualify. But but because you're my son and my daughter, they're now yours through your inheritance in Christ Jesus. It's not your bloodline, but my bloodline, says the Lord. That has now engrafted you into the seed of Abraham. And because you're a part of this bloodline, you now are part of a bloodline of the supernatural, miracle working, favor and blessing and prosperity of Almighty God. I always believed in the miraculous. I always hungered for healing. When I was 17 years old, I went to a little revival in central Illinois. And there was a man there preaching named Morton Bustard. I'd seen God heal my father. I had seen God heal people when my dad would lay hands on them. We had seen cancer healed. We had seen miracles happen. But I was hungry for more. I was hungry for more of the prophetic, more of more of what I had. My eyes had only seen 
on television. When I was a young man, I'd tune into Christian television and I'd sit in front of that TV for hours. Like, like a, well, I won't say like a woman watching days of our lives, but I'd sit in front and I'd watch Benny Hinn crusades and I'd watch Dr. Rodney Howard Brown and I'd listen to Rod Parsley and T.D. Jakes and every other great preacher of those days, Dwight Thompson and everyone else. And then when internet came around, I found old films and old videos of A.A. Allen and Oral Roberts. And I was a student. I would study and I would sit there. And if I could use the word covet, I coveted it. I was hungry for it. I was jealous that they saw things that my eyes had never seen. And I remember being about 17 years old. And I went to that cent- that revival in central Illinois. And there was a man named Morton Bustard who operated in the gifts of the spirit. I had never seen anybody call somebody out. I had never seen the prophetic and the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. I had never seen those things take place. And I started to hunger for it. I began to long for it. And I wanted it. I wanted it in my life. I wanted to pray for people and see God heal. Not because I wanted it for me. I wanted to bring glory to the name of God. I'm one of those weird preachers that believes that anything in the Bible can still happen today. I believe that if he can send a raven to feed a prophet in a cave, he'll send a blessing to you in the middle of a recession, in the middle of a pandemic, and when everyone else says we got to hunker down, and when Dr. Fauci says you got to hunker down and stay hidden, I believe that God has ravens that he'll send from heaven and say, while everyone else thinks all hope is lost, I'll send blessing and prosperity and favor and abundance. I'll bless your 401k. I'll bless your stocks. I'll bless your job. I'll cause you to get a promotion and stay at home in your pajamas. I'll make sure that God blesses you and favors you. I believe that we serve that kind of God. I believe that when the Bible says that he took care of Daniel in a lion's den because Daniel wouldn't stop praying and Daniel wouldn't stop worshiping, I believe that same God will protect his church from Governor Newsom's or any other political party that would try to rise up against the church and say, you can't pray, you can't publicly worship. I believe the God of Daniel is the God of the 21st century. I believe he's the God of John MacArthur. I believe he's the God of Inspired Church. I believe he's the God of Tony Suarez. And rather than us face persecution, we're going to face prosperity and blessing because the more that they attack us, the more the spotlight comes on us and the more people are curious, what is it about those people that makes them not able to stop singing? What is it about them that makes them the way they are? They don't stop prophesying. They don't stop praying. They don't stop singing. And then when they walk through the door, they're going to feel what we feel. And they're going to have to sing what we sing because they're going to be endued with the same power from on high. Hallelujah to the Lamb. I believe that the same Holy Spirit that moved over a virgin named Mary hovers and moves over us. And when the Spirit comes over the, the, when the supernatural comes over the natural, all of a sudden we'll give birth to something that only God can create. I was hungry for that. I was hungry for something deeper. And I went to that revival. I was 17 and I started longing for it and praying for it. God, use me for your glory. God, use me for your glory. I was sitting there watching it with my jaw dropped watching brother Bustard was on this side ministering to someone and he stopped he said Gloria Gloria and Gloria stood up and he started speaking and I just sat there brother Buster didn't know me I didn't know him and as he was ministering to Gloria he stopped and he said and if you think that this is cool you have missed it by a mile you'd have to know how he preaches he said if, if that's what drives you you have missed it by a mile 
The moment you make it about you, the moment you make it about your ministry, the moment you got to put your name brand on it and tag it with your logo, God says, if you're going to put your logo on it, I'm going to have to take my name off of it. But if you'll let my name be glorified, if you'll, if you'll just tell people it was Jesus, it was the blood, it was the Holy Ghost, then when he is lifted up, then he can draw all men unto him. And I was hungry. And I left there on fire. I'm going to pray for the sick. And I'd pray for people and nobody get healed. I was in Peru. <laughs> I was about 21 years old. And I was in Peru. Four years have passed by. I'm in Peru. And the missionary says, we're going to have a miracle service. I said, all right. But just be forewarned, nobody gets healed when I pray. And I felt something stir up on me. And I remember praying. I prayed a mass prayer just in case nobody got healed. We would never know. Just... Now go with God. Go home. And the missionary grabbed the mic. He said, wait. If you've been healed, line up on this side. If you still need to be healed, line up on this side. That line was like around the building, out the lobby, into the parking lot. There's like five people over here. I don't think Cole or Mylon's ever heard me tell this story. I don't know if Gina's ever heard me tell this story. This kid came up dragging his leg. He was in the line of those that had been healed. And he's on a crutch and he's dragging his leg. And I deal with insecurity. Just to be honest with you. I looked at him and I said, oh God. He got in the wrong line. And the missionary is making me call everybody up to the stage, to the platform. And that, that dude's going to come up with a crutch. And I'm going to have an issue because nobody gets healed under this ministry. And he's on a crutch. And so I earnestly and honestly prayed and said, God, when he comes up, let him say he was healed of a cough or an itch or an allergy in his eye. Lord, don't let him talk about the crutch. And I avoided him. He was standing there with his crutch smiling at me. Because he thought he was next. And I walked over and I'm like, hold on. You, come here. What has the Lord done for you? I just kept avoiding him until he's the last one. And then I had to talk to him. I said, well, what's the Lord done for you? And he said, he's healed my leg. I'm like, oh, come Man. And a spirit of boldness came over me. I said, he healed your leg? He said, Yes. And I said, take a step towards me. And he, with his crutch. I'm not making light of it. I'm not making fun of it. I'm just telling you what he did. And a spirit of boldness came over me. And I said, in the name of Jesus, give me that crutch. And I'd love to tell you that he started running around the building. Do you know what he did? And he fell on the ground. You want to kill the faith in a miracle service? Bring a crippled to the platform. Pull the crutch and let him fall down. You'll kill the revival and you'll get a lawsuit in the same day. The kid is laying on the floor looking at me like, did I offend you? Did I do something to you? I mean, I know it's Peru and you're from Colombia. I know we got beef in the 1800s, but like, mi gente? I mean, like, we're, we came from the same tribe. I mean, we're all Incas. What happened? The missionary is on the other side and he's shaking his head and he was coming for the mic. I'm done. This is at the Apollo. I'm telling you the hook is coming and this, ministry, this miracle ministry is over. And boldness came on me. I said, stop. Such as I have given I unto thee. In the name of Jesus, rise and be healed. And he said, 
like, dude, you and I, are, we, we already got beef. You already knocked me down one time and not Benny Hinn style. Like, you just let me fall. You took the crutch. Ah! I said, in the name of Jesus, rise and be healed. And he wouldn't do it. Third time, I grabbed his hand. I said, in the name of Jesus, rise and be healed. And if you'd have been in the auditorium, you would have heard it. There was a pop. It was loud enough that everybody heard it. There's about 1,500 people. Everybody heard the pop. In front of our eyes, his crooked, wobbly leg completely straightened out. And his legs went totally straight in front of us. And he looked at his legs. And he looked at me. And I wished I could tell you that I was on the other side saying, Behold the wondrous works of the master of Galilee. But I was like this. This is before iPhones. I'm like, I'm like, hold up one second. Get the camera right here. Because this has never happened before in this ministry. This is like my first selfie. I'm like, hey, bud, hold up. I'm like, I need proof that this happened. His legs were instantly healed by the power of God. He picked up his feet. He started walking completely healed. He started running completely healed. He ran across the pulpit, the platform, and he leaped off of the stage and started running around the auditorium completely healed by the power of God. And while that was happening, another kid started running down the aisle, jumped on the stage and came running at me. And I'm like, the blood of Jesus. I don't know what you're coming at. I said, what's wrong with you? He said, I had four tumors on my body. There was four tumors on my body but when Jesus healed him something happened to me and the tumors are gone I'm completely healed by the power of God I'm telling you those stories today because I feel the same God that moved in Peru in 2001 is in this sanctuary right now today to make tumors disappear and cause arches to grow in your feet and to heal to heal those heart palpitations and to open up your lungs and to bring you off of crutches and whatever instruments you're needing to walk I feel like God's about to heal somebody from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet I feel the Holy Ghost in this place right now and I believe God's about to touch you God's about to deliver you there's about five people watching online right now cancer you got to go healing power in this house I've never called out one of my kids before he hurt his elbow last week playing basketball almost hyperextended it didn't you which arm was it stand up never I've never done this before that was that arm I know it's weird we'll laugh about it in the car throw your arm out like that three times real hard in Jesus' name, that elbow's completely healed. You're going to play basketball this week on the team. You're healed, and you're healed, you're healed right now in Jesus' name by the power of God. I feel healing, healing fire and healing power flowing in this house right now. What's on this side of the sanctuary right now? 
I feel like I feel like you just called fire down on this side of the sanctuary. I feel like you just called the touch of God to come on you right. If you wanted, I'd stand up because you're about to get it right now. Three, two, one. Fire of the Holy Ghost come on you right now. The blessing of the Lord come on you right now. So that's how you're Steve, right? Brother Steve, that's how this started. God started healing people in Peru. God started working miracles in Peru. And then I had a daughter and put the picture on the screen. She was born in 2007. I love her so much. She was born in 2007. She was born eight weeks early. Born on a Sunday. She had no breastbone. Her lungs collapsed. She was in an incubator. She was born on a Sunday, March the 18th. I've prayed for the sick. I've seen them do some stuff in Peru. I've seen them heal here and there. But I'm dealing with condemnation. Insecurity. That tells me God can't do with you what he does with others. God isn't going to heal the masses through you like he heals the, uh, through others. You don't have it. You don't got it. And she's born. They had told us we had had about a 3% chance to have babies. And Cole was born. And the doctor said, love him because you'll never have any more. Then Michael came, and the doctor said, this time I mean it. Love her, because you'll never have any more. Four years later, Zachary came, and the doctor said, this time I mean it. I'm like, I'm going to sue you. You're going to pay for them to go to college. But that baby, that baby is what sparked my faith. She was born that Sunday. Her mother was taken to ICU. Michael was taken to the NICU. She wasn't breathing. She was practically dead. And I needed reassurance, and I asked the doctor. I said, tell me everything's going to be okay. And the nurse got real rude. She said, you need to be realistic. She's not breathing. You need to be realistic about this. Someone here needs to be a realist. She's not going to make it. And I got to preach. Because I was extra Pentecostal back then. I'm like, nothing going to stop me from preaching. I got to preach that night. What do you preach when you need to be preached to? What do you prophesy when you need the prophetic word? What do you say when you need the word? And so I told the Lord in the hospital, I said, I can't preach tonight. Can't do it. Can't do it. And the Lord said, oh, yes, you will. Oh, yes, because you've been tough on people. You've told people to praise me when they're at the point of bankruptcy. You've told people to praise me when they have cancer in their body. And now you're going to practice what you preach. Now you're going to do what you've told everybody else to do. It's easy to tell someone else to fast and pray. It's easy to tell someone else to believe. It's another thing when you got to take your own medicine. And God said, now you're going to practice it. And not only are you going to preach tonight, you're going to praise me. Like I deserve to be praised. 
I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I feel more authority right now than I have in eight weeks standing on this platform. I'm telling you right now, we're about to have an explosion of God. This is what we've been praying for. This is what we've been seeking after. God is about to, I hope you're not in a hurry today because I, I, Bishop, I might have to skip my egg drop soup and egg rolls today for what God's about to do. And I'm all right with that. This has nothing to do with what I'm about to say, but that's pretty significant what somebody just did there. Do you know why Elijah, do you know why Elijah put water on the altar? This has nothing to do with what I'm preaching about. You know why Elijah put water on the altar when fire fell from heaven? I always thought it was to like make it harder, you know, for God to light it on fire because it was doused in water. That's not why he did it. Water was the most valuable commodity of the time. They were in a three-year drought. Water was more precious than gold and silver. But Elijah took water and said, your fire is more important than this water. So I'll put the greatest thing I have and I'll put it on the altar because I'd rather have fire than the water. And God sent fire. When you lay something on the altar, you just don't know what heaven will replace it with. You'll put, God, you'll put an Isaac and God will send a ram in the thicket. You, anyhow, back to my other sermon. He said, not only will you preach, but you'll praise me the way I deserve to be praised. And I said, Lord, if you'll promise me that you're going to heal my cow, I'll praise you like I've never praised you before. I'll do new stuff. Like I'll spin or something. I don't know. I'll do new stuff. I'll praise you like I've never praised you before. And God said, no. No. Because your praise always has strings attached. I always have to do something to cause you to praise me. I always have to give you a miracle for you to praise me. I always got to heal someone to cause you to praise me. But today you're going to praise me, not for my mighty acts, but according to my excellent greatness. You're going to praise me because I'm the God of the mountaintop and I'm the God of the valley. You're not going to praise me for what I've done, but you're going to praise me because I'm worthy to be praised. I'm the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I ask you the question today, when is the last time you praise God? And it had nothing to do with a house, a car, a boo, a bay. When's the last time you praise God? And it, have, it didn't have to do with money. It didn't have to do with prosperity. It didn't have to do with the promotion. When is the last time you said, God, this praise has nothing to do with me. It's all about you because you are worthy. you praise God when you win the lottery. I know how you praise God when you win the raffle. I know how you praise God when we finally don't have to wear masks anymore. I know how you praise God when you get that job promotion and you got married. I know how you praise God when everything goes right. But is there a worshiper in this house says this has nothing to do with me, has nothing to do with what you've given me, but because of who you are, because of who you are, I give you the glory. There's a shout break about to hit this house. One, two, three.
We're not dancing for money right now. We're not dancing for healing right now. We're not dancing for a miracle right now. But we're dancing because God is good and his mercy endureth forever. We're dancing because there's no God like Jehovah. That's the problem. You don't have to feel like it. Where does the Bible say you have to feel like praising the Lord? The Bible says, let everything that hath breath praise ye the Lord. This isn't about how you feel. This is about the commandment of the word of God. Let everything, let everything praise ye. music so the cynic wouldn't say that it was driven by the beat of the drum but to show you it's driven by the power of the Holy Ghost that's in this house who sent you here is that your mom who was it that sent you are you related to her well, since you did what she asked you to do, would you raise your hands for a minute? You'll never be broke. You'll never be poor. Everything you need is coming to you. You're going to graduate college. You're going to do great things for the name of the Lord because you served her and you brought the prophet and offering. Be blessed in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Somebody give God praise in this house. Whew. So God said, praise me. Not for what I may or may not do, but because of who I am. I feel like this word has your name written all over it. I feel like you got to praise for something and God's going to, I, I just feel like there's something strong and special that God wants to do for you. But I had to go. I told him to leave that picture up there because I had to go to the hospital and walk in a NICU unit in a hazmat suit after washing my hands for two minutes and picking out every nail for two minutes and put on a hazmat suit. I had to go stand in front of the incubator. And I didn't feel like praising God here. I didn't feel like giving God praise here. That's not something that looks like you should praise God about. But while I stand in front of the incubator, God said, praise me. Praise me. I said, well, I, I don't really feel it. See, most praise is driven by the beat of a song, by the beat of a, or in the Spanish church. That's what you need. Most praise is driven by what he gives you. But it's in front of the incubator with little Mikey that I learned that praise is not something I do because of what he did. 
but I do it because it is a commandment. Let everything that hath breath praise ye the Lord. And there's no asterisk. There's no disclaimer that says if you have a bad day, you don't have to praise the Lord. If things have gone rotten for you, you don't have to praise the Lord. If your political party isn't in charge, you don't have to praise the Lord. It simply says, let everything that hath breath praise ye the Lord. And it's there that the commandment of God came on my life. Praise him. And so I said, thank you, Jesus. Didn't even sound like a Pentecostal praise. I love you, Jesus. Worship you, Jesus. And the more I said it, the more started coming out of me. You give and you take. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Great and mighty are your works. Who is like the Lord? Nobody. Search all over. I just started worshiping and praising the Lord. And that's when I learned the power of a praise. Because most people say, well, I got to feel it. I got to feel something. No, no, no. The Bible says that there's life and death in the tongue. Sometimes you got to speak it. And when you speak it, you begin to feel So I just started saying, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. There's no God like Jehovah. And the more I spoke it, the more life I was speaking into baby Mikey. And the more praise I spoke, the more life I was speaking into the inside of me. That's why the more you praise God today, the more revival has hit this house. And the more life because of the power that's in your tongue. Stop talking about COVID and talk about Jesus. I went to church that Sunday night and the service was in Spanish they'd say miti miti medio bueno medio malo eh. and I walked into the service and I had my preacher's chair I almost said thrown up there that's back you know back in the day and I got to my chair and I gave him my best preacher praise that's back when we would karate chop for Jesus And I heard the Lord say, I told you to praise me. They weren't singing my song though. And I heard the Lord say, I told you to praise me. So alone there in my chair, I just started. I didn't even feel anything. But you know, when there was droughts, and I I don't mean to call on mystical things, but you know, when there used to be droughts in this land, the Indians would get out, the Native Americans would get out, and they'd do something called a rain dance, and they would rain till the, they they would dance till the rain falls. And I, I just, I just wonder, forgive me for doing it right now, but I just wonder what would happen today if you would praise God until the fire falls, and the power falls, and the anointing, I just wonder, I just wonder what would happen. I started praising and worshiping the Lord all alone there in my chair. It wasn't dancing to a rhythm. I was just dancing because God told me to worship him and I was praising the Lord alone. And then I opened my eyes and everyone was looking at me. My assistant pastor, us Latinos, you know, we don't, we don't use words. We talk with our lips. My assistant pastor t- looked at me and said, and the Hispanics will understand what this means. He looked at me and said, And those, those lips, what that means is, Pastor, está bien porque toda la gente te está mirando ahorita. Seguro que está bien. Those lips mean, are you okay? Because right now you look weird. If you need me to help, I'll help. I'll step in right now. Tag me in, Pastor. I'm ready to play. And I grabbed the mic. I got the mic from the assistant. I said, look, if you're having a bad day, 
and you really don't feel like praising God. I mean, if this week has just stunk for you, it's okay. But let me know if that's you. And hands start coming up all over. Ugly, ugly shout face. <laughs> yeah, that's me, Pastor. I'm like, all right, don't worry. And I get crazy and I ran out the side door and I went to the parking lot and I'd never done anything like this before. I went out and I got a bunch of rocks from the parking lot and I walked in and I started dropping rocks everywhere. Dropping rocks everywhere. I said, if you've had a bad week and you don't feel like praising God, you don't worry. You don't have to. Because the Bible says that if you don't cry out to God, these rocks, katabosha, these rocks will cry out in your place. But one way or another, God's going to be praised in this house. And I started dancing around the rocks and I started praying. May it never be said at Inspire Church that they had to send the ushers to the parking lot to get gravel and to get rocks for God to be praised in this house. But let it be said that those that are washed in the blood know how to praise the name of their Lord. So I praise God like a crazy man. Danced amongst the rocks. Went to the hospital. She's still in the incubator. I said, I love you, Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The doctor said, I need to talk to you. He said, she survived the first night. But she's never going to be normal. She's going to live here about a year. And you got to be prepared that at any moment, your daughter could die. You need to be strong for your family. Because she might not live. And I heard the Holy Ghost whisper in my ear. Praise me. I'm like, right now? Like right now, right now? Like ahora? Like right now, right now, right now. In front of the doctor. Right now. And the Holy Ghost said, yes. And I said, doctor, thank you, Jesus. He said, what does that mean? I said, you wouldn't understand. And I, st- I got up out of my chair. I'm not exaggerating the story because that God doesn't need to be puffed up and exaggerated. I got up out of my chair and I walked out of his office and I said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And I went and found my daughter and I washed my hands for two minutes and I cleaned my nails for two minutes and I stood by my daughter. I put my hand on the incubator and I said, there's no God like Jehovah. God, I love you. God, I praise you. God, I lift your name on high. You haven't known true praise until you've had to praise God in the valley of the shadow of death. You don't know what true praise is like till a pandemic hits and political strife hits. Yet you can still bless the name of your Lord. There is a house of praisers here that have proven to the Father that you don't have to be coerced into praising the Lord. But out of his excellent greatness... You'll sing praises unto God. I gotta hurry. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine days. Same thing. Two minutes of washing, two minutes of picking. They give you an instrument and they time you, and there's a nurse that sits at the sink. Anyone here that works in a NICU unit that can verify what I'm saying, talk to them after church. Back there, they, somebody's raising their hand back there. They time you, and they watch you. Every nail, they're like, you missed one of them. It hurt. Eight, nine days. I love you, Jesus. 
I worship you, Jesus. And one day, for whatever reason, the doctor and the NICU nurses walked out at the same time and they left me alone in the room with my baby. Now you'll know why I'm so radical. I'm about to tell you right now. This is why my spirit doesn't really jive with a lot of what's happening in this season right now. I said, God, whether you heal her or take her, I will serve you all the days of my life. I will preach that you are a healer. I will serve you and I will worship you because there is no one like you, Jesus. You have sustained me. You have blessed me. You have been good to me. And if all I have is nine days with that little baby girl, thank you for nine days and let me be her daddy. Thank you for nine days of feeling a, a, a love that I've never felt before. Thank you for that little baby girl. I said, but... I know too much about you because I've read your word and I read that Elijah found a dead boy and he breathed over the dead boy and you raise the dead boy to life now let me take a time out I am not going to breathe on anyone so no one get like oh God we're about to get COVID in the church today I'm not doing that I'm just going to tell you a story right now I said, I read that Elijah breathed on a boy and you raised him back to life. And your word says that you're no respecter of persons. Brother Sam, I breathe over your ministry today. In Jesus' name. You're no respecter of persons. So if you did it for Elijah... Do it for me. And if you don't, I'll still give you the praise. And I opened that incubator and I said, baby, in the name of Jesus. Now, I didn't say it in my preacher voice. I didn't say it with the Hammond. You weren't there. What key are we in? Yeah, we weren't in F sharp. I didn't say, baby. Give me F sharp because now I'm in the wrong key. I said, baby, in the name of Jesus. I didn't do all that. I do the hair. I said, <clears throat> baby. Yeah. In the name of Jesus. Because I don't want to be arrested. In the name of Jesus. <laughs> I don't do that. That's not my modus operandi. And I'm not going to do it tonight. I'm just telling you my story. Telling you my testimony. When I breathed on little Michael... Her body bounced in that incubator. She has no breastbone in that, po- in that picture. But when I, I wish I would have brought the other photo to show you. The other photo of her in the hospital. Because when I breathed, it was the spirit that breathed over her. Her little breastbone was instantly formed. And it popped out and it never caved back in. As she was miraculously touched by the power of The tower of God. She was instantly, supernaturally healed. And the machine, the respirator started beeping. Beep, 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 beep. Beep, 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 And the nurse ran into the room and she said, what happened? I said, I don't know. I was just chilling. I don't know. 
And she ran over and started pushing buttons. And I'm like, oh, God, I'm going to jail. Oh, God. I mean, I'm already at the wall. I mean, I'm already like this, man. I'm a... <laughs> I mean, I'm ready. I think they're coming. And she's clicking the buttons, clicking the buttons. And then she looks at my kill and sees the breastbone. She goes, oh. She said, something's wrong. Something's wrong. And I'm like, I'm like getting ready to confess and apologize. She's like, something's wrong. I'm like, what's wrong? She says, according to the computer, your baby's breathing on her own. And she doesn't need those tubes. She doesn't need those tubes. <laughs> She's breathing on her own. And the doctor said something must be wrong with the machine. Go get another computer. So they wheeled that one out and they wheeled another one in. <laughs> and when they went to connect the tubes to Mikey, Mikey said, <laughs> and she spit the tubes out of her throat. Next photo. Now she's 13 years old. She's never had another tube down her throat because she was miraculously healed. When you want to know why I'm so radical, it's because of what God did in my started breathing on her own completely touched by the power of God they kept her two more days she tried to figure out how this happened and the day we took her home the doctor said I need to talk to you I said yes sir he said you see that mirror over there I said yes sir he said that's one of those two way mirrors you don't see me but I see you that's my office I saw you and I looked for a wall because I'm like now I am going to jail he said I saw you he said I want you to know that baby isn't going home because of medicine that baby's not going home because of what I did but that baby is going home because of the faith that you have in your God and I'm prophesying to you that in this season, even the doctors are going to have to confess this is the work of Almighty God. Stand with me in this house if you're not already standing because I'm done. She's 13 years old. The doctor said she'd never be normal. He was right. She's not normal. She's a living, breathing miracle of Almighty God. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. I bless you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. May the Lord bless everything that's in your hands, everything that's in your life in the mighty name of Jesus of Nazareth. Somebody give God praise here tonight. Hallelujah. That day, 
that day sparked my radical faith. Little did I know that 10 years later, her mother would pass away. And when that report came of death, you want to know what Cole and Michael and Zachary and I did? We did the same thing we did when Michael was born. We praised the Lord. We made a decision in the good and in the bad. We praise the Lord. So when you say, Suarez, it's easy for you to praise God when he heals your daughter. I praise God when he took my first wife. You say, that's weird. I d- d- don't take it to a weird place. I praise him because he's worthy according to his excellent greatness. I wish I had time to preach the whole sermon. So you could see a video of when Corey McCool passed away. Mylon looks just like his daddy. Five years old when his dad passed away. If you could see the video of that funeral. Gina got a hold of her baby. And they got a hold of that casket. And they shouted. And they praised. And they worshiped God one more time. When Corey McCool left the earth, he left praising the Lord. When Jessica Suarez left the earth, she left praising the Lord. And there's seven descendants, whether it's life, death, sickness, healing, blessing, or persecution. We still praise the Lord. So when you ask, by what authority do you tell me to praise God today? It's upon the authority of my family's testimony. He's in this place today.